Welcome to Comedy Jersey. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie, and we're joined tonight by our favorite dynamic duo, the the salt to our pepper. Nope. They are salt and pepper to each other. Why do you have to make it a color thing? White or salty. like cayenne pepper. Stan and Marsha. Cayenne pepper. We're so happy you're with us. Cayenne pepper. Oh, God. Hello, guys. How are you? Guys. I'm already off to a rousing start. Rousing start. You're welcome. I would try to take that as a compliment if I were you guys, but... You know, they com- sort of they compliment each other yeah. and they yeah. compliment us well. That's what. <laughs> sure. That's where I was okay. trying to go with that. We all also, one of them likes Wes Anderson movies the other and the one other one just goes along with it. The other one is here. And the other one was also yes. there. The other one tolerates the other one. I'm just going to put this out here. We are taking several weeks off after this episode. True. So this is just like... This is what the people are going to be left with. Is, we, we are just... Going off in style. Of very long, strange trip mm-hmm. from, for recording for us. True. So just going to... Got to get all that, get all that energy the out there. Mm-hmm. Get it out mm-hmm. there get it right out. now. Uh, and today we're looking at Wes Anderson's 2001 film, The Royal Tenenbaums. But first, as always, let's ask the most pressing question of every episode. What is everybody drinking for this Wes Anderson experience? I'm having bourbon barrel, the barrel bourbon uh, barrel proof. I think it was. I now, think. that was a recommendation from one of the commenters. Is whiskey oh, nice. consumed in the film? Uh, they said one of the characters enjoys whiskey. One of them likes Bloody Marys. Yeah. So you've got I that think covered. The same character likes both. Wasn't I thought it was the two Wilson brothers. Both? I uh, was not in the mood for a Bloody Mary tonight. So I'm, I made a little something special. I felt like the wedding at the end mm-hmm. of the film called, you know, a, like a, a bubbly, a, a mm-hmm. spritz, a spritz of something. So I have a little, uh, a wine spritzer. Nice. Oh, it, felt, nice. it felt wedding themed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, huh? A Bloody Mary would be a bit much it, i just did yoga i did yoga it's hot i was like i can't I a can't bloody, do bloody mary is a bit much pretty much no it's all not the time except for no like, it's not like, you know not i've never had much. a bloody mary ever i had two oh, of wow. them on sunday oh, and they were delicious you haven't lived brother how was yesterday? Yeah. that was yeah. yesterday i said how was yesterday yesterday was fine okay i did not have a bloody mary hangover okay i had more of a hangover on sunday from the red wine Mm-hmm. Bloody Marys treat fair, me well. You get vegetable fair, juice in there. It's like a meal. Usually need Bloody Marys like in the morning. Right. It's a good hangover right. drink. It's a good hangover. I feel like there's so would, much in there. Yeah, I feel like when I would drink to that level, there would still be so much alcohol in my system that the Bloody Mary would be <laughs> unnecessary. No, it's good. Bloody Marys do good things for the body. I just couldn't do it Absolutely. tonight. Yeah, okay. plus it's a V8. You yeah. get new VR. That's, yeah, that's, that's it. A, I consider just keeping it a virgin, and then I was like, mm, that feels like weak sauce. So <laughs> there we are. Wine uh, spritzer, only wine a little spritzer. less weak. <laughs> Okay, not very much weaker, actually, probably. In fact, check the alcohol volume on that. Uh, Dan and Marsha, what do you guys have? Um, we each chose beer. I'm drinking a uh, flamingo fruit fight Ooh. because I like a little tropical uh-huh. mix in my beer. It's a very yeah. Wes Anderson inspired. Yes, like, it's a little funky design little in the front yes. too. Yeah, we, we picked weird ones. And Bell's is actually something Jim introduced us to. So yes. that was uh-huh. very neat. Uh, in Carolina, of all Carolina, places. Yeah. Yes. I went. I found this Lagunitas. Uh, I don't know what it is, but the Waldo's special triple. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, I like very that. Good one, uh, Waldo, good, good name. I am drinking Anchor Steams. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. beer. delicious. We could connect that. Choice. We could connect That's that. That's the next Wes Anderson movie. Uh, Zizu. Zizu. We did Zizu. Yeah, we, we just did Zizu. And the the tombstone uh, has a nautical theme to it in this film. So, and we have a we have a character that is on a boat at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So yes. That's true. Good point. All comes back around. Mm-hmm. Was well that Zizu's boat, though? Oh. It almost looked like no, it. No, because it was the, the Coupe de Bois. Yeah, they named it. The co- it was yes. like the... It was Which like is interesting because it's the name cruise. of a it's the name of a country, hmm. yeah. right? The Ivory Coast. Think, yeah. Cote, That's right. Cote d'Ivoire. Is that how you Cote say it? Cote d'Ivoire. So. Very good. That's good, That's good French, right there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Merci. All right. Mm-hmm. It is time for the rundown. Oh, where's my? I lost my mouth organ. It's here. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, I hit a high note on that one. <laughs> It was a little something different. 
<laughs> Got me right there. Right there. Yeah. Got you right Way there. <laughs> Way to go. The Tenenbaums command attention. Young Chaz is a child mogul. Richie is a tennis prodigy and artist. And Margot is a prize-winning author. When their father, Royal, leaves the family, Mother Etheline takes the helm as the captain of their odd ship. It's not a smooth ride, but it gets decidedly bumpier when Royal shows back up 20 years later, just as Etheline is considering a marriage proposal and Richie is working out his undying love for his sister. Adopted. Doesn't matter. Sister. <laughs> still sister. It's still sister. weird. Yep. All right. Um, discuss. Discuss. All right. Here we go. Let's discuss our grade on a scale of A plus through Chris Monero's the rookie. The rookie. Uh, how would everybody rate this film? Let's start with Dan and Marsha. Dan and Marsha, what grade would you give the Royal Tenenbaums? It's not fair. I kind of want to like, be nice and great on a curve. Like I, <laughs> We watched it again. I've seen it a couple of times. I laughed a few times, so I'll give it a B. Just because it does make me laugh out loud every now and again. You would be the Watch best like Brian, teacher. It makes me laugh out loud every now and again, and I'm like, all right, I'll stay friends. With you. Oh, okay. B, B, Brian. You just I got it. B, we got it. The score is a B. I'm gonna base it off of all my Wes Anderson films, and it's B plus. It's I love it, but it's not my favorite one. Mm-hmm. But I do love the characters. Excellent, Katie. Yeah, I I am also at a B plus on this film. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a movie I always feel with Wes Anderson films that I didn't pay close enough attention. And yes. I, I knew going into this Which one that true. I hadn't because I was mm-hmm. finishing my grades last night as I was watching. So I knew that. Um, so I feel like I can't really give it an A if I haven't. I, I didn't I didn't give it, it my full attention. Yeah, I didn't give it my full attention. Yeah, I think I'm like a b minus maybe a c plus on this one it's not my favorite like i like i like wes anderson movies this one doesn't do it for me and it's probably the third time i've seen it maybe not all the way through though i think the second time was kind of choppy okay i will go b plus as well not uh to give it a score that if we look at life aquatic when we did that uh i gave that an a i don't think it's as good as life aquatic Um, and clearly jim and katie are well katie's slightly lower katie was an a minus on life aquatic and jim's a full letter grade different at an a minus i don't think it's as good as life aquatic which is interesting because i think this one is the one that people think of maybe more? I agree. Which I, which is interesting. And maybe we can talk about why that is, but to me, that's the film. I think that probably jumps into people's mind the most. If Mm -hmm. they only have a casual understanding of Wes Anderson. Yes. Well, this is like his first hit, right? Like Rushmore was, was Rush, like a well, yeah, it was, was like a culty kind of, kind of movie. Yeah, exactly. Rushmore was way cult like movie. Yeah, this was way more mainstream. Like a lot of like celebrities would push it like as their favorite. It became a lot more, yeah, just mainstream. Well, it is. I mean, there <laughs> are, I think part of it. You're right. Is the casting of it right? So yeah. it's 2001. You get Ben very Stiller. Good yeah, mm-hmm. you get Ben Stiller right. Who was that's when Ben Stiller was still yeah. like he put something out. It was a number one. Exactly. Movie. He's in his prime right every year. He's got something good. Yeah. I mean, the Wilson brothers were still relevant, big enough and relevant in that comedy era. It was pre goop Gwyneth. Yeah. When people could actually <laughs> stand. It was still Chris Martin Gwyneth. So he yes. Yeah. And I mean, then you get that run of Hackman, yeah. Angelica Houston and Danny Glover, who are all huge stars of the 80s that people would have grown up with. That's the other thing. I think any like Gene Hackman, you'll watch it like you'll see him. You'll go and see his character. You'll see him in the movie. And he won a Golden Globe for this performance. For this performance. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely was, was in the public eye. Than anybody yeah. in this, right? I feel like this is, I'm trying to think like 2001 as well. I feel that, you know, you had had that run for a while 
prior to this, you know, when we would have been in high school with like Quentin Tarantino and where like independent films were a rage for a few years, but then it kind of went back to the big budget overly produced special effects. Well, the matrix happened in there. Yeah. That type of stuff. And And it was a lot of that stuff. And then I feel like this was maybe a revival of more, young independent filmmakers like Wes mm-hmm. Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson with things like Boogie Nights right. and these things that had big actors in it, but were, I mean, this was a movie where all the actors worked for scale. You know, they didn't even get their salaries for it. Right. You know, these are not big budget movies by any, but it's a big actor in every scene, like secondary yes. character, main character, everybody as a name. Yeah. There's not one hidden away. Alex Baldwin is for Pagoda. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say Alec Baldwin's doing the, all the voiceover, oh, yeah, the, narration. the narration. You're not sure if it's Thomas the Tank Engine or, you know, World <laughs> Kind of Bounds. You're like, what am, I, what am I watching? What's happening? Oh, yeah, okay. So, Brian, who drew all these people in? Like Bill Murray? Like, I can't imagine Wes Anderson. No, you know, that was the interesting thing. I, I, I guess Jim's right. Like, Rushmore people were big fans of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but... I don't even think that role was original. Maybe it was originally for Bill Murray. The the Gene Hackman role was 100% written for Gene Hackman, which is kind of ballsy because Gene Hackman didn't want anything to do with it. Gene Hackman (laughs) wanted to be paid and they weren't paying him any money. Um, And I don't think Gene Hackman kind of has really, this is where that he really starts to tail off being in films because he's in a lot of this, this movie. I mean, if you think of it, this is like a run where Gene Hackman started to very much limit what he was doing, even in Unforgiven, which he had won the Oscar for, which was I don't know, like 95, maybe right. 94 okay. in that window. He had, you know, if you look, he had really started to deescalate how much he was going to work. And he did 60 days on this film. Right. Uh, he's okay. he's in almost every sequence in this movie. Um well, he's the lead. So, like the, the Royals, the lead. Yeah, and he's the only one who gets to be animated. Like so many of them have really just the the same face, the same look. He gets to be like a, a character with like actual character development that you kind of believe in. Where the other ones, you know, kind of grow. He really <laughs> gets to change. I think that's my that's sort of my not my issue with this movie, but why I don't connect with it because I think the performances are all amazing. Yeah. I think it's it's really well done. I just don't connect with it because of the the contempt I have for some of the characters. <laughs> in a way where in Steve Zissou, I think there's a there's more heart in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this one even though Royal is like sort of coming around, he's not really like there's part of me that doesn't buy Royal coming back into it like he doesn't really have he doesn't he doesn't have another motivation for getting back in the family other than like wanting to be there but right. i still don't right. buy it for some reason i just think it's like he has no money he's like right, well, right, right. oh that, that's action. it that's it yeah, right, i have no right, other right, choice right, but right. this yep. i have no right. friends i have no and we're, we have family let me just go see what they're up to right and we're in steve z so they it's sort of all about like the mistakes that people make and how they deal with them and they move on and get over them and become better people. This is almost like he, it's almost like he's not quite ready to tell that story yet because this one has to be told first. I don't know. It just, it just, yeah. And I don't connect with the characters. And I honestly think my least favorite part of this movie, I think is Ben Stiller. He is <laughs> he's an outlier for me in the way in his tone. Yeah. And I think he's good in this, but he's not for me, he's not like Wes Anderson good. Yeah. If that makes sense. But I don't know. I think he's big at that time. So people yeah, right. and I think the Wilson and Stiller, like they work together. I'm sure there was something there that made them come back together like let's bring ben stiller into this i agree with what you're saying though like his character like yeah you're right <laughs> like the issues he has like his wife died like you don't you don't feel like his wife died he's just panicked about yeah. his kids but, but you're right it was, which, a little, it was a little choppy the but, other characters were like deeper somehow well i i think he i think the characters is enough of a like weird wes anderson character that like someone yeah. could have been in it and played that like 
businessman like I don't know. He yeah, just, that could have been Alec Baldwin. He just seems fans, he just seems so Ben Stiller to me. Whereas like usually when you see someone in a Wes Anderson movie, they are like wiped away to the point where you don't recognize them as an actor. Oh, yeah. wow. One of the issues I like I slightly feel with this as opposed to Zizu too is the choppiness of it. Mm. And I do to me, it almost felt like in my mind, comparison, the comparison of like the original Arrested Development versus when yeah. Netflix brought Arrested Development mm, back. That. And just let me explain why. It's because the way they were filming this, they had like Ben Stiller for three weeks. They had Gwyneth Paltrow for 10 days and they had to shoot around that. And I feel like it's not as cohesive as Zisu was, where they were like more integrated in all those sequences. And if you think about it, Gene Hackman is kind of the thread gluing those all together, but there's only an, a few sequences where you get everyone together. So I feel like there's almost a detachment at points that it, it feels like almost, it's almost like vignetted as yeah. opposed to Zisu. And I also think that the idea of maybe watching Zisu first recently versus this one Gene Hackman's the lead in terms of screen time, but is like, is he really who the movie is a, about? Because there's a lot of people who see this movie who say the real story being told here is more through the lens of Luke Wilson's character. Mm. Um, well, it starts and, with him. But I don't know. Like, I think it's pretty clear to me when you watch Zizu, this is Bill Murray's story of his right. growth and all those things. <clears throat> I think that's less clear in this movie well, than it is in Zizu, maybe. Do like, you get, do you get growth? I mean, obviously you have the relationship develop, but do you get any sort of character growth in Wilson's character? What's his character's name? It's not Chaz. Richie. 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 Does Richie oh. himself, I mean, he goes through like, intense depression right that's right. the thing i think in this story only gene hackman gets to grow i think right. everybody is just you're just learning who they are i don't think they change or develop very significantly it's just like we are who we are like yeah and unless it's it. margo and richie finally like well lifting the veil you do yeah, get like admitting it but yeah. Well, yeah i do think with i do think with ben stiller yeah you and, get that moment and yes and the uh, owen wilson you get that moment at the end in the wedding when they're collapsed in the yeah. embassy's backyard. Yeah, the backyard. Yeah, Zen Garden, <clears throat> that they come to a realization. So I do wonder, is if, is this movie more just about coming to the realizations and not seeing the growth? Whereas with Zizu, we start to see the, yeah, the idea of growth play out maybe a little yeah. bit more yeah, it's a different trajectory because you see them as kids where they've like they're like at a peak as yes, children yes. and then they dip and they're the geniuses right and then at the end there is an uptick yeah. it's it's interesting because i think one of the other things about this movie is the the house right the house plays yeah. yes a big role a big role yeah but even when and you even this hotel like it's about to me it's about like new york sets right right yeah. but even even when you compare how he shot this house to how he shoots the boat in Zisu, he is more refined and more, he has more of a vision on how he's going to shoot that boat than how, like to me, this house is just as cool of a set piece, hmm. but he doesn't, he doesn't explore it the way he explored the boat. Yeah. And I think that I, I would have to imagine he learned a great deal from, filming yeah. this and the fact that he used there are no sets built for this movie right and clearly just the game Zizu, yeah it's clearly <laughs> zizu they built the set mm -hmm. uh, of the boat and i mean there, there's a great on the criterion disc there's a great breakdown of just him doing the production design and he starts to basically be like what was i thinking with this he's like i can't move the camera here i can't do this like how these are real rooms and it's <laughs> great for it's great for performance but it does limit what you can do um, and, and how you can explore the house. Sure. 
It is. It's interesting to compare. And then even to the Grand Budapest, you know, like the colors are so different. There's a whimsy to Sisu and Grand Budapest that doesn't feel as present in this film. And so I think it's hard when you're comparing them. Like, I think I think I don't know. Most folks with like the Wes Anderson viewpoint. I just feel like it's easier to lean into the ones that are a little more fun. Well, let me (laughs) ask you this. Because this seems less whimsical, it seems like it could be set in our universe. Mm-hmm. Whereas none of those other That's movies true. are set in our universe. Set in our universe, yeah. And the moment you put these characters into our universe, we're like, fuck <clears throat> these people, man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's just yeah, something true. that, yeah. like, if, whereas you would hate to live next door to Steve Zissou the same way mm-hmm. you would hate to live next door to the Tenenbaums, but he, that's not. But he lives in a world. He lives play, in a totally different world. Play animals, yeah, so yeah. it feels okay. To yeah, I don't totally know. It's just animals. it's it's interesting to me, of like the traje- trajectory of of that. It's almost like, you know, if you look at Quentin Tarantino, you have something like, um, uh, what's it called, uh, Reservoir Dogs, which is a good movie. It's really good, but then you get something like Pulp Fiction, which is like, you take that like, sort of that viewpoint, that that point of view, and that that kind of thing that you want to do and you keep distilling it down and distilling it and finding more things that make it you. And I think this, this has like so much, so many interesting things in it and so many things that will come to like define Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. But like, I wonder if this was like his, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen bottle rocket, but you know, is this him sort of like discovering more and more who he wants to be as a filmmaker uh right. and we're getting and like that transition of like of him like m- making films or or just kind of discovering how to be more himself when making a movie i don't know it's it, it is a fascinating movie though and then like you like to me as a new yorker i look at all the scenes like i yes. can tell where they are right like i know it's a public school on 97th street i know where that house is <laughs> sometimes i wonder if wes anderson was like granted the house and then he wrote a story for the house right rather than the other way around maybe he just wanted to be in this moment in new york and that's why it doesn't work so because, well he he, he was wandering the streets looking yes. for a house and uh, that's what i mean when you see yes. that house when you come upon it you're like am i still in manhattan like you don't it conceptually is yes. it really stands out a foreclosed home by the way yeah, which somebody well, had just bought as you can then, see why and then they had to then they paid the person who bought the house more than he paid for it yeah. to film there. So the guy got ended up getting the house for free. But they went in there, but it was a That's blank a slate. Story. So, yeah. I mean, the, the thing that intrude, I, I mean, intri- I guess intrigues me about Wes Anderson is we've talked about this before. There is an element of Kubrick to him that I feel <laughs> like when you watch his film, everything that everything that is in the frame is purposely in the frame. It's on purpose, yeah. Like the, and if you watch like the behind the scenes stuff with him, mm-hmm. the artwork, the books, and like, oh my God, the artwork. Games, it's, right? but it's the, it's, it is a genius in a sense, mm-hmm. I think, but there's just something about watching the film. And again, I didn't, I didn't think this one was as funny as Zizou. But you still like the way he frames a shot, you're, you're almost like absorbed into it because of the color palette choices and mm-hmm. the background scening and all this stuff. And I'm sure lots of directors do that type of stuff, but not with the intricacy that he does. So it just mm-hmm. it's, it's like a, very, of a micromanager. Yeah. yeah, which is OK. But I think it makes it for mm-hmm. it makes it a very even though this one felt more connected to our universe than some of the other ones, mm-hmm. it's still, I think this is the beginning of that push. Cause I don't remember this with Rushmore of feeling as surreal almost, right. you know, this is that first step. And then obviously it goes, starts going much more surreal as he much. moves forward. No, I agree with you. I, th- I think you're very aware of the, the meticulous nature mm-hmm. of, and, and I wonder, so like, the relationship between him and the cinematographer, like, is it always the same cinematographer or do, does that change? And how much of it is just him literally calling the shots? Right. <laughs> like, because it, it just feels like he has 
you can see his clear vision and the way he tells a story in mm-hmm. every one of his movies. Well, I, w- I would say I'd have to look at who is cinematographers and the other ones. Usually one of the things that people overanalyze about cinematographers is like it's their vision. I mean, mostly it's the directors right. who visualize mm-hmm. the shot. I mean, the cinematographers are figuring out the lighting and the angles okay. and the things like that. OK, but he is. Yeah, he is one of those who I think has a clear stylistic view. Mm-hmm. He did that a lot in this movie. He was actually talking about it. There's a great coffee table book, actually, um, that the it was the New York Times. Uh, no, New York Magazine critic did on Wes Anderson's the Wes Anderson collection. And he was kind of talking about this movie in particular. Um, and he you could see some of the influences of like Scorsese and the the example they were using in this, I thought was cool, was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And mm-hmm. how they're saying that this movie, he didn't really leave much for the editor to cut. They cut most of the movie in the way they shot it. So there's pans and there's zooms and there's mm-hmm. these things that usually would be cut. And the and the the Times critic was talking to him about it. And he said it reminded me a lot of the Marion drinking sequence. And Anderson's like, well, yeah. And it's how Spielberg would pan, zoom and tell. And what you realize is there are no cuts and there's so few cuts in this movie. And he almost he and he makes you feel like you're cutting to something, but he's filming everything in one sequence, which is pretty insane. Yeah, he does. I- I noticed one scene that stuck out to me was when Royal bumps into um, Ethelene and is tell is going to tell her that he's dying. Uh, <laughs> she gets well. First, he tells her she's he's dying. Then she, he he backs off that and says he's not dying. She slaps him and walks out of the frame, and he keeps talking. Yes. Yes. And they keep it a wide shot, and then she comes <laughs> back into the frame, and they never. Cut. Like they never cut to a close on the two of them. They're mm-hmm. they're yep. just in still a wide shot just on half the screen. After she has walked the full length of the frame out and back in, it's just interesting. I don't. I, it does it does make it feel to me like more of a like a, a theatrical performance, right? Because like you're you're like what you're seeing, what your eyes are seeing on the screen is just presented to you. It's not right. it's not cutting away and, you know, it it all happened at once, you know. It's, right. it's well, interesting. You're almost watching like a home movie or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right, right. There is also the interesting layer that it's told like a novel. Right? right. And That's so so, so while you're saying that it's supposed uh, to be the closest thing to reality. It's a library book. It was taken out of the library. <laughs> Sorry. The right. So so then there's this very like direct statement that this is fictional. Mm-hmm. And you're just getting like pieces of the story that's in this book. Yeah. I mean, so there's like a, a weird meta. Like who's awareness. reading that book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I can understand West the Zisu films, like who's watching those films? The Yeah, yeah. The, the, but oh, who's Jim, reading the Tenenbaum book? It is, it is New York. There are definitely oh, true. Yeah. People. But I you think... keep saying it's New York. Who's been to the 375th Street Y? I want to yes. know about that. Well, that's what I love about it. Yeah. It's like, but somebody outside of New York will be like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, no, that, that, that's, that's not a thing. But I yeah. like that he makes it a thing. No, but going back to the camera, it's the uh, Mordecai has the best. He's the only one who gets really cool shots. That's the best camera work, right? Because yes. we watch him fly. I'm like, that's the only time we get the whole span is come, him coming back. I'm like, that's it. He gets the... He gets the scene. Well, I think the choice of the long scenes are interesting, too, because, you know, somebody like Hitchcock and Anderson was saying it would would do shots where he was very specific. He like, I want this close up and I'm only going to shoot them doing the dialogue with this close up because Hitchcock wanted the movie shot in a, and edited in a way that was only the way he wanted. And it was almost like the interpretation of their point of view was being given to you by Hitchcock. You know, this is what you yeah. should be looking at at this moment. And in like a Wes Anderson movie, there's so, I, I think he creates such a universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's freeing for him, you know, when you when you're the set designer for Wes Anderson, you have to design everything. And he was even talking about it. he's like, we does we dressed real places 
um, I think he said there were 300 setups for this movie, wow. which is insane. Some only had one word of dialogue, he said. Some had absolutely no dialogue. Right. So just think and, about and like so, the the Margot stories, right? Where you're cl- when the private investigator yes. cuts through. I mean, oh, each right. of those are like wildly oh, different right. places. <laughs> like her weddings. Oh, my God. There's not any they're not even saying anything. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just a frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's that's very fascinating. I I do I I think that there is such an awareness of it being an art form as mm-hmm. you're as you're watching his films and there are so many moments that do feel like just pictures, you know, where you're just like even just the introduction of the characters at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, you use the word uh portrait, Brian, and that's very much you you often get just a centered, you know, kind of bust up mm-hmm. close up but just the way that it's composed behind, you know, like the color choice behind the person, it really does look like they're posing for a portrait, you right, know? Right. So um, is it Owen that's on the boat? Who's on? Uh, Richie. Luke. Luke. Richie, Richie yeah. on the boat. Richie, like yeah. just the colors of that wow. scene. Uh, there's just so many of those introduction to characters where it's like striking. Um, mm-hmm. Who's Sherman? The, yeah. the fiance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I just feel like they kind of like stick in your brain of like you can click through them like photographs, mm-hmm. you know, like the viewmaster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, I also feel, I mean, Ben Stiller aside, who I thought was okay. Like I thought he w- was fine. I, he was not my favorite Ben Stiller performance by any stretch. I feel like he uses everybody else in this movie pretty well, including Bill Murray. Yeah. Who, mm-hmm. I mean, I love. I mean, I, I would really want Bill Murray maybe even more, but I think the, it, what's funny is I feel like he utilizes him just well enough in that mm-hmm. story of who that doctor is yes. with that kid. He's that kid. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. It was just, just... Is it, can he tell time? Yeah. The question? It, it, yeah. And then he goes, yeah. you know, he goes, am I really I'm colorblind? colorblind? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was talking about. Like I laugh out loud every now and again. That was pretty funny. But like the beats to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And like, it is essentially like a bill murray role yeah which is weird like but I, I don't know what it is but that and even somebody like danny glover right who most of us yeah. probably like the he's done great work he's on broadway all this mm-hmm, stuff but that's, that's a lot of times that's the first you you think of that's it, how we right? is, it is mm-hmm. i'm too old for this shit like literally <laughs> that's yeah um but he's he's great in it um mm-hmm. I guess my Angelica question is Houston. this. It, well, I mean, she's just... She's just fantastic. Love her. You get her and Gene Hackman. Again, I think that's that sequence yes. alone, that walking yeah. uh, down the sidewalk sequence is, again, one of those sequences we've talked about before where you could pull it out of a movie and just do it as a short. Yes. And it, it's like this intriguing dynamic of you mm-hmm. get that there's this guy who's and been she's horrible. So and she's, yep. and the, the cut, the take they used was her actually hitting him. <laughs> yeah, good. up. Wes Anderson said that the sound was no special sound effect. It was here. She like. <laughs> God, I love that. I love. Out. I love the sequence right before the, uh, right at the wedding after, after the uh, after the car crash, mm-hmm. when Gene Hackman and um, and Danny Glover are walking to the embassy, and he's saying <laughs> he's saying you know. For most of my oh, life, yeah. I've been an asshole. I've been an asshole, yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping that you, you know, you can. I, I don't know the exact line, but he's he, like, I'm hoping you can forgive me despite all that. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, and he goes, you don't see me that way. Yeah, and he, Danny Glover goes, yeah, you know, I never thought that. I, I just think you're a son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I appreciate that, Sherman. Yeah, yeah. It was an honest, yeah, reflection. And it is when, like Gene Hackman does play an asshole son of a bitch really well. Really? Oh, he's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. He, yeah. This movie made me like upset that he is not acting anyway. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't know if I necessarily feel like there's somebody that are currently that brings the kind of energy that he brought to those type of roles where he's like he he's endearing just enough that you're mm-hmm. willing to follow him through a movie. Right. But he's not a great person. And that's yeah. like a lot of his great roles, like yeah. Hoosiers. Yeah. Mississippi burning. Mm-hmm. Like you start like, he's not a great, he's not the worst person on earth, 
but he's Hi. severely flawed, but you're willing to mm-hmm. go no, along right. with him. And maybe that's because he's, you know, he's a product of 70s cinema, which was so dark and mess like mm-hmm. French connection and all this stuff. Even the conversation, which is like, I think a wildly underrated film, mainly because, you know, Francis Ford Coppola directed that the same year he directed Godfather 2. So nobody's going to talk about <laughs> right, yeah. the conversation over oh, Godfather 2. But he, yep. there's just nobody who like brings these type of performances off the top of my head I can think right. of anymore. That's a fair point. I even felt bad for him in the firm. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. And the same thing. But he's a product of the system. Yeah, but he's just, I think he's great in this. No else who I really am not a fan of at all currently but enjoyed in this was Gwyneth Paltrow. Mm, and yeah. it made me think back to her in like seven in, in this movie and all these other movies. And just thinking, where did that turn happen? Yeah. That if I see her on screen now, like I, I don't want to you just don't like her as a it. person because she believes in really hates the goop. Yeah. He, he, yeah. Goop. You just, you just don't like her, her vibe is like, you know, a hippie wanting to, eat vegetables well, I don't and think stuff. what movies has she done <laughs> she's been in the marvel movies the she marvel really doesn't movies. like vegetables yeah brian hates mean, vegetables. Marvel vegetables. Movie, she could be believable like my well, that's, and love that. well, well that's what i mean i like I well she did she those bad really comedies right ro- roles she did bad comedies yeah like shallow how is bad she was we loved the anniversary party though we did yeah we did it's good i don't remember that one that's good I'm trying to see what else well, she's been in. She's probably been Shakespeare in Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love her. Oh, Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love is great. She's very good. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. There was this run where yeah, she no, was an talented. A-list. Mm-hmm. You know, you were going to see her in movies, and that yeah. has become yeah. a very secondary thing for her. And it was good to go back and That's what happens that. to women in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> we never saw Sliding yeah. Doors. That's supposed to be very good. People love Sliding Doors. So good. Sure. She was Emma also, right? Wasn't she Emma? She was in one of the versions of Emma. That's what I mean. There was. Yeah. I I I mean, she comes from a school, a family. Her mother is so talented. Her Mm -hmm. mother is endearing, right? And anything she does now, it just is. Mm -hmm. She's become too Hollywood to be sincere now. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, yes, I believe her as a chain smoking, depressing, sad little girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she got her finger cut off. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a funny scene. (laughs) Such a good scene. What a weird scene. You're right. They had to film that too. Mm-hmm. With the wood. That's going to stick with me, Brian. The, the 300 different scenes they had to do or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like a museum exhibit. When you yeah. think through, like, yeah. there were, I mean, yeah. characters that were only in that little shot. Yeah. Just like that. Little diorama Done. of the yeah. yeah. What's your, uh, how many movies have you been in? One. What, what did you do? I cut off Gwyneth Paltrow's finger. There you go. <laughs> really? It was I was dressed great. as a redneck. Great role. I feel like I've been pigeonholed. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, Katie, I can give you the answer uh, for the cinematography. Uh, Mm -hmm. He does use it's Robert Yeoman and he does do almost all stuff, including Grand Budapest, all those things. And he was born in Philadelphia. He also shot Drugstore Cowboy, which is an amazing movie. Uh, What's inaccessible about Wes Anderson? Because I started watching this movie with Aileen and she was out 20 minutes into it. What's inaccessible? Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah. Like, what, what do you think? Like, we, I guess we kind of had this conversation a little bit with mm, Zizou, yeah. but I don't what, think he it? writes for the people. Yes, I think. <laughs> no, I, I think, think I think there's the, I think there's a group of I, I think there's a group of the population that would that as soon as they realize that something is like specifically with movies and i feel like this with music anything any artwork that also has a pop version of itself right so like there's pop music there's popcorn movies you know like i feel like there's a segment of the population that as soon as they know that whatever they're watching or listening to is trying to be art rather than something entertaining specifically right. That right. they're out, that they're like, nope, not for me. No, that's fair. I think if something requires thought, like you either want to do that or you don't. Like I, I was t- telling Marsha <laughs> that 
I was picturing my father just sitting through these movies and be like, the hell's your problem? Why are we watching this? My and father it's, would it's throw just something at me if I tried to make <laughs> right, right. Because he wants to see Danny Glover and Die Hard, right? That's yeah. what he wants. That, that's why he goes to the movie, right? But I like the story. Well, it feels like, you know, when you teach a, a book in school, when you teach a novel mm-hmm. in school, right? There's always going to be yeah. a, student, a group of students in the classroom that are immediately over it because it's being taught to them. But, exactly, but, but also, right. and so that's how this kind of feels sometimes is like i it it, it this is something to study right like it's, yeah, yeah this is right. something to study you said it, it's but, like a museum piece it really is yeah. like going through a museum. but i don't i don't i don't get the feeling that you have to experience his movies on the level where you have to work for it no 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 I d- i'm not saying it's hard work I don't. Th- I don't think. No, I'm- no, no. I, 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 not just you. I'm just saying in general yeah. that that mm. that idea you, I think that you like you can take it for what it is, or you can right. choose to. I, you yeah. can take it for what it is and enjoy it. I, or I do think you get rewarded for probably multiple viewings. Of it. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I do think that there's a very pr- specific perspective, and what we said when we saw Zizu um, was that there's shades of Wes Anderson, right? Where it felt, it feels to me, I haven't seen all of his films, but that like grand Budapest was the most easily digestible by the masses. Mm-hmm. But there was just something like really lovely. He somehow, he like found that like sweet spot where it was like still his viewpoint, but it intersected really yeah. nicely with like the yes. general population where like, Folks could see it as a Wes Anderson fan, or they could just see it as like a really good movie, and and it worked. And then you find others of, of his movies where it's a, it's just a little bit more Wes Anderson. And I think this is this is one of those where it right. leans a little bit more into just the way his brain works. There's no action. The characters aren't that relatable. Right. Like you, you really, I, I think you do have to work for it a little bit here. I, I okay. like it, but well, I think on some level you're just like, who are these people? I do think you run across that too with, I think Tarantino is somewhat similar in a different way or some of these people, you get these people who are almost, they are such cinephiles. Like if you hear Wes Anderson talk, he's rattling off like, uh, you know, he's talking to a cinematographer in one of the bonus features in the Criterion Collection version. (laughs) And he's like, we have to go watch this director's film, his first three films, because this is how we're going to shoot this scene. And this is going to be our reference. And he's like doing that off the top of his head. Like he's mm-hmm. one of those guys like Tarantino was the same. You hear him talk. He's like, I watched this B film and this movie and this influence. Yeah. So I think there's an element of that where it's like you talk to these people who are geniuses, right? Like they're yes. in their field. They're a genius. Right. So sometimes That's what Scorsese is always trying to do and failing at, but not <laughs> always failing. That's not fair. Not, not always fail. But but my point is like they, so there. Sometimes it can be like you have to be a real cinema person to love everything about it. But sometimes it connects. Like I feel like Kubrick's like that. I was going to say too. the same has, thing, Bri. He has like some of those yep. films that like are so so like The Shining is one of those everybody. movies, right? That like right. folks can connect on. But then you talk 2001 Space Odyssey and like half of those viewers are going to be like, nope, I'm out on that. (laughs) But see, this is where Wes Anderson is smart. You get Gene Hackman relatable and then you get Bill Murray all the time. And there are those of us who will always watch Bill Murray, like whatever Bill Murray. Yeah, but but I will counterpoint to the Bill Murray thing. If I came to this movie for Bill Murray, I'd be pissed the fuck off. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, right. but so, you still enjoy him. Because there's even yeah, there's not much of him. Right? No, there's not much of him. Like yeah, if my dad again to Dan's but point, he's with if, house dress, you're like, if our fathers were like hanging out and they were like, hey, let's go see that Bill Murray movie, and they sat down <laughs> to watch this, if they sat down to watch him in any of the Wes Anderson movies, they would be they would be kind of pissed off at Bill Murray. But maybe, maybe to your point, like what you said initially, like like people identify with this, but he was like incubating this idea, this formula. Yes. That he keeps kind of like perpetrating it. Is it maybe just maybe it made it more accessible to make it lighter and stuff like that and make some of the dialogue a little bit better. Yeah. Because they are they are fun. I like all I, of them. I do but. think there's growth and it makes sense. And it's that like that question, if you watch like a filmmaker it, or an author, Over like time. what, what yes. which which book in a series are you picking up? Are you yeah. picking up the first book right. they wrote, mm-hmm. the second book they wrote, right. or the tenth book they wrote? I yep. would hope, I would hope by the tenth book, at least some elements of what they are 
doing are refined, like the quality well, of the writing of thrones. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, it's, I mean that's an interesting conversation, Brian, because for for some artists, you know, their first work well, the is the one that well, exactly. Yeah, Maybe the creativity it, of it. You would yep. hope the nuts and bolts of it are refined. You know, like yep. like Wes Anderson, I think obviously he's gotten better at shooting, framing. All. Yes. That doesn't mean the story is going. Yeah, no, I think well. I think Wes Anderson is is one of those success stories. I think oftentimes yes. you find folks that do something really well the first time and then the, then the rest of the they art they make is trying to recreate it, you yeah. know, and they like yeah. can't find the magic again. Um, but like you said, Katie, he figured out also how to go to the masses. Like, yeah. he's like listen, I can still be me and speak to more people. Yep. And See, I don't even think it's taking feedback. I just think that's who he is. I don't think he yeah, is like looking right. and saying like, oh, let me take these critiques and grow. He's like, no, this is just, I am who I am. Right, I yeah, yeah. He's, he's evolving, yeah. yeah. It's not like Matt Nathanson. Like Matt right, Nathanson yeah, well, just- No, so I was just gonna say like, that I think I think one of the important things with art is that, you know, what, what connects with an audience and what doesn't isn't, I, I would, I would, guess that Wes Anderson is not too concerned with that which is why he's able to make Grand Budapest yeah yeah yeah. because the same guy that makes that makes Royal Tenenbaums can't make Grand Budapest if he's worried about how the audience is going to like view it yeah because he would never compromise what he's doing so like and I think that's the problem like with a lot of you I think you see this way more with music than mm-hmm. any other thing, which is like, y- once you once you're more concerned with like how people are going to accept right. what you're doing, y- you're attract you're trying to attract the the wrong crowd, mm-hmm. right? right? And those people are not going to be there long term anyway. So like, right. you do you, and you'll get the that's people it. that appreciate what and you bring no matter what. Because then you did right. you put yourself out well, there first. And now look at him. How many movies later? And we know that when he when Wes Anderson puts out a movie, which he is this year, which we can't wait yeah. to see. There's a brand. That's a huge cast. But go ahead, yeah. so he is like cultivated his own brand. Right. Yes. Which is and you could say the same for Tarantino. You could say the same Agreed. for a, a bunch of a bunch of directors who could give a fuck about a studio telling them what notes they should or what right. what age groups they should try to you know right. to write, right. 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 who brings in the money who does this and because of that they have these loyal fan bases that will see every movie they bring out mm-hmm. they might not like each one right and but that's They'll part like of varying degrees right, right? It's and that's like- part of it right and that's and that's why we enjoy them like like i know if i see a tarantino movie i'm like well, is this going to be better than Django, which is like my favorite of recent of memory? Yeah. Right. And then it's like, no, he hasn't hit that mark, but that's okay. But you know, you're going to leave it with something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of his movies. Like, that's what intrigues me. Like, even if it's not the best Wes Anderson movie, I feel as somebody who loves movies, there's going to be something that you'll take from it that will be worthwhile or worthwhile. interesting yeah. or thoughtful or something or like leaves us questioning right like i want to know why the boarhead was there and then wasn't there i'm like see i want to look that up i want to know it's a javelina (laughs) (laughs) it was a javelina yeah by the way great discussion of that in the coffee table book if you oh really i love that though he's like i love i love thinking about that game closet because then he's it's they walk into first of all there's two of them in the game mm-hmm. closet right yeah. and then when, big game right big game closet and then when ben stiller leaves he goes oh there you are and reaches <laughs> down and picks that up like where <laughs> like what did their feet like the area around them look like <laughs> somebody was just standing there holding them exactly yeah. god only knows well you can get all wes anderson movies on the amazing criterion channel or the collection. Mm. I'm wearing my Criterion Channel collection. Oh, yay. I meant favorite. to do that. Yay, Good job, thanks, Brian. Bob. Thank you, Criterion uh, Bob. Bob. Uh, you can find it. You can also see the new West Anderson movie, French Dispatch, uh, I think in the fall, I believe. I think starring Timothy Chalamet. Oh, I love him. Yes. yes. Right. Love so him. many, so many people. He'll fit very well into, we'll into a West Anderson film. Yeah. So many like 30 famous people in this thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. It's going to be absolutely amazing. That's great. Um, all right. It's time to do King of the Hill or Bottom of the Barrel. We are not going to make Dan or Marsha involved in this because thankfully they have not seen 
Chris Monero's the rookie. Don't watch that. So they, they do can. watch Judas and the Black Messiah. Do watch it. I, I think we can all say this is not up to Judas and Black Messiah level. No, no. And it, is and it is certainly not the rookie. Certainly not. Nope. No, I would say this is in the top, you know, 20% of movies we watch. Easily. Yep. Yeah. Oh, easily. It's great. I, and it's it is interesting. I think for me, I might have graded it maybe a half a grade higher if we hadn't just seen. Right. Oh, Being able Zizu. to compare it to Zizu. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Agreed. But I do. I will say I will say this. I I do want to watch this movie again soon mm-hmm. and it will be part of my uh, every July they do a flash sale on Criterion Channel. Oh, so I nice. will be buying the hard right. copy in July. In the next flash show. All right, it is time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? I want the truth. <laughs> 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 That's a KFC. We're gonna send her a uh, recording from the kids' room. Don't do that. Wait, you have one? Like a real one? Yeah. Oh my god. Like counting well, they, they wanted my mom to play the accordion when she was younger. That was the. Yeah, for some reason, because she had polio. They were like, because it's like the piano, but with your, mm-hmm. I don't know, because you can play of, the piano with your. Of course, polio. No, it's what my dad played, Katie. Yeah. Just in the places. What now. was it? They would bring it into the hospitals where the kids I mean, had polio. Was, no other kid would play it, so they gave it to they the patients. They would give them the accordion. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Marcia, this is amazing. I, I just, Sorry. I, that just, is, <laughs> wow. Okay. That is so um, strange to think about next, that. That, that our, is the, our, yes. Yes. They were both our in New York. Next episode will be episode number 150. And we're Amazing, hoping Brian. to have um, Katie do some kind of musical keyboard uh, mm. thing for her rundown and no longer have the harmonica. No, har- no harmonica. All no right. Harmonica. Fine. All <laughs> right. Fine. Uh, <laughs> all right. It's time for five questions with Dan and Marsha. Uh, first, I, I, because I do believe Dan and Marsha could potentially answer this question, being Marcia. people of well, certainly Marsha. Maybe Dan was dragged along, though. I'm not sure he's brave enough to get into one of these. Uh, how do you feel about a gypsy cab, a, a thing that no longer exists, probably because of, or would an Uber or a Lyft be considered a gypsy cab in New York? Because they still have <laughs> legitimate cabs in New York. So no, because gypsy in New York would be considered the non-license, right? So you yeah, don't okay. have the tag. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have you gone in one of those before, Marsha? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Mostly by force on my own. <laughs> Dan I have, is so I have a healthy distrust of gypsies <laughs> and cabs. And cabs. Right so, yeah. I don't like gypsies or cabs. So, like, I know you're asking for thumbs <laughs> up. Exactly. Thumbs we, we just. <laughs> we, just got a one, we just got a one star review. Our gypsy yeah. cab driver audience is not pleased. <laughs> by not that. pleased. Sorry. Not pleased by that at it's all. It's Matt. Uh, here is a question, a question for the ages. Which Wilson brother would you rather watch in a film? Would you rather watch an Owen Wilson film or a Luke Wilson? Okay, film? Luke is the blonde, Owen's the brunette. Absolutely right. not. Okay. Damn it. Flip it and reverse Flip it. it. Absolutely I, not. I never get them straight. So Owen is in Wedding Crashers. Yes. Okay. And Luke is old school. Like, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And neither exactly. of them have done it. And for idiocracy. The past 10 years. No, yes. they're not. What are they in? Yeah, yeah. Lo- Owen Wilson certainly Katie, has. Katie, very important you're answering, uh, asking these questions because you're not answering the question. So it's <laughs> vital that we have this information for you. Uh, Dan and Marsha, people who are answering the question and actually know which Wilson is which, which uh, Wilson would you rather watch in a film? I mean, I, if I'm being honest, the only Luke Wilson film I can name is like old school. Yeah. Um, as far as like Owen Wilson, like I, I liked Midnight in Paris, despite him, I think. And uh, I liked a couple despite other. Despite him? He's kind of, he's kind of, I find him kind of annoying. But his he, voice is kind of annoying to us. It was an wow. enjoyable movie. Yeah. Wow. I'd say, I'd say uh, probably. Wedding like, Crashers. Yeah, yeah exactly. I pro- I've probably enjoyed more Owen Wilson movies just by virtue of them being a little more well-known and things like right. that. There's more volume of Owen Wilson, but I choose Luke Wilson because I just think he's better looking. We're looking at the filmography. So this For is Owen. this is Owen. Yeah, he was Owen the dad in Wonder. I did like he him was. as the dad, dad in Wonder. wonder. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know if I believed him sincerely as a dad. That was my one thing. He is mm-hmm. also uh, in the new Loki show that we're yeah. premiering. That's right. And we okay. love yes. him in Zoolander. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Luke Wilson's in good movies where he's like supporting, basically. Yes. So I, I don't know well, he's like, the lead. He's like the good guy, right? Like the he's family the, stone stuff like yes. that. Like, and I enjoyed that. Well, he's, he's certainly a secondary. He, he secondary, was never hit the sure. heights. Secondary so. lead. Yes. Yeah. He's a lead in old school and he's a lead Absolutely. in idiocracy, which but he is, is not the most interesting thing in old. School. No, he is. certainly no, 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 no. <laughs> but I find him charming and believable. But yes, I, that's interesting because it, was he probably always forced to play kind of the straight man yes. to Owen Wilson. Yes. So, I mean, which is, yes. maybe, is that why he plays it so well in old school, right? Yes. He plays that role perfectly off yeah, of does. Vince Vaughn and Will Farrell by far. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, fill in the blank question. Question three here. The Tenenbaum family member that you are most likely to be friends with is blank. I mean, this is hard because I... I I feel like I would be Margot's friend by guilt. I feel like I would have to follow her around for sheer <laughs> trying to take care of her purposes. No, nah, definitely Royal. He's such a tool. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> like, that's why I'd hang out with the whole time. Royal could have gone golfing with us back in the day. <laughs> we used to go golfing with some really just random people. Random they would people. Pair us with. Exactly right. I could I could see us having golfed with Royal Tenant Bond mm-hmm. and I thought anything of it. Uh, all right, question four, our favorite question. What's your favorite Gene Hackman movie? I know right away when you when I read it today, I said Superman because he scared me so much as a kid. Uh, like he too. genuinely so scared me. Yeah, yeah. too. Absolutely. So I see you went Superman. Go ahead. Jim, sorry. No, no. Dan's supposed to answer the question. Go no, Dan. so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna this is kinda odd. <laughs> I was gonna give you just straight up unforgiven, but I like him as a bad cowboy in anything. This is a crappy movie called like The Quick and the Dead. <laughs> and he's he's just Oh, as bad. with Sharon Stone and a young yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Like, yeah. yeah, Russell Crowe's in it and everybody. Yep. Like, it's 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 insane. So uh I just like him as a bad cowboy. He's yeah. he's a very believable bad dude. I love him Trivia in the fact. Uh, yes, Sharon I love him Stone. in Hurricane too as the senator. He was yes. hysterical, right? He plays Ooh, well. I don't but... remember that. Oh my gosh, he's excellent. Hackman he is Superman. all day, all uh, Mississippi so burning. Who's still haven't yeah. seen that, Brian? Still haven't seen it. I have, to re-watch, Never seen I have it. to rewatch Hoosiers well, because I was ju- July calendar. I was, oh, I was to listening it. to Unspooled mm-hmm. talk about Hoosiers. They did a whole segment on sports movies mm-hmm. and they destroyed it. <gasps> what? As a bad movie? Oh, As no. a movie that really does not make any coherent sense. Oh, no. And, and and as they laid it out, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that no. happened. Is, it, is this going to be happens. our rookie? Where like, no, people have an irrational no, love No, no, for no. The because the performances are still great. Still but, no. but the way they laid out the, the timeline of like what happens, it doesn't make any sense. The, basket, <laughs> the basketball in it, phenomenal. Yes. yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. It is one of the few basketball movies where the the actual basketball is watchable. It's also like kind Teen of a Wolf. bullshit story, even though people say it's 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 true. S- somewhat based on it. Yeah. I'm a sucker for good coaching. Yeah, but the, the other the other team they beat was a better story because they were an all black school. And yes. that was the first mm-hmm. time yes. they had gone to the championship. If you rewrote it now, it would be very different. Yes. yes. <laughs> Still a good movie, though. Uh, watch as many Gene Hackman movies as possible. Yeah. Finally, Four. deep thoughts uh, question. We are celebrating our 20th anniversary of our graduation mm. from the University of Scranton. Cheers to that. Which is why we pitched <laughs> You this, all uh, look much this, younger than that. Uh, this amazing film from 2001. Besides, it's an awesome Wes Anderson movie. Uh, if you could go back to two thir- 2001 for one day, and you could pick three things to do. Mm. What would you do in that day? Uh, you guys will have to forgive us. This was very this was difficult. Hard. So we sort of cheated. We did. And I think I think what we made gonna... it personal because you can't go back to that year without, you know. I think trouble. we'll just go back to senior week. See if you guys can oh, see. Oh, that picture. <laughs> yeah. It's all this beautiful couple that they're going to do oh, just Jimmy, fine. I love them. them. I would do that again. <laughs> I would go back to that. Yeah. Uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna do homages to everybody. This is yeah. a good one of Pat. Yes. I have no idea. Oh, Morgan. We go yes. back to him and say Chapman Lake. We you will eventually him. find yeah, someone. Right. You haven't changed much. Like I would rather not see any pictures you have of me because uh, there's there. Oh, you're you're coming, yeah. Brian. Yeah, there's yeah. Powers, which we think that's a good one. This one. 
Come on, 80s night, Brian. Remember oh, that yes. suit? Come oh, on. My, oh, my God. Venom t-shirt. That's yeah. amazing. I, that. I wore a, a, I wore a Miami Vice outfit. You sure I wish did. I, mean, I wish I kept it, honestly. You went all out in that white suit. Yeah. Sure. That cost we'll... me $5, by the way. <laughs> now, well, everyone, now everyone knows who Venom is. Yes, exactly. I know. That's uh, that was Jim. That was a great deep. That was a deep, deep dive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and indulge me on two more. Kevin's there. Just we love Kevin Moran. Oh, and then I'm just gonna go back and ask Brian what the hell he was doing right here. I don't know why. What's I have happening? This. Mischievous look. Oh, he did that a lot. Yep, yeah. the mischievous <laughs> look. I'd like to go back and just ask you that no. question. Wow, I love it. Pretty good question. For our friends who are listening, uh, our guests just brought out the time capsule of 2001. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah no, that's all right. We just, you yeah, know, a for, the, for the folks who are on their run, on their jog, we just took a little walk down memory lane. Yeah. Lots mm -hmm. of pictures of us 20 years ago. Woo! Mm. Still look good. Anyway, we go back and tell you guys we love you guys. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. Why else would we be on here 20 years later doing this? That's I would awesome. watch the Royal Tenenbaums yeah. purposely. That's right. <laughs> pretty awesome. I would awesome. be making Dan drive me home from the university. Every break. Every <laughs> break. Um, does anybody have any recommendations? Anything we I do. should be watching, listening to? Uh, because we're going on a, a, a brief break mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. um, so what is something that the people could be doing, well, Jim? Two things. First, Mare of Easttown, if you're been living under a rock and you haven't watched it on HBO, watch it immediately. Oh, we do have to watch it. Someone, someone, one of my coworkers chatted like our group chat today and was like, have you guys been watching Mayor of Easttown? And I was like, I've been watching Mayor of Easttown for 43 years. <laughs> <laughs> I live it. Yeah. I am um, it. The, so it's an amazing show yeah. and watch it. Uh, the other thing is, and specifically for, for, uh, Martian Dan is that Chris Gethard has started a new podcast called New Jersey is the world and <laughs> it is amazing but Spring it? Spring Lake has made a few appearances uh, Spring Lake. The, you know, they, they've chatted about a few things there uh, and it made me think of you guys so uh, I've been enjoying it so each episode he focuses on a different topic of New Jersey and him and his friends mm -hmm. reminisce like the, the first one is the amusement park culture. One right. is about Jersey Shore. One's about uh, class trips, which I thought was hilarious. Public um, transportation. Public transportation. Oh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a great, great podcast. And it's, mm. just, it's just three friends reminiscing and talking about um, the things they got into around West Orange. Yeah. Very cool. I'll check that out, actually. You know, Anybody I else? love other podcasts besides ours. Yep. So, uh, Films to be Buried With. I'm going to say again, Emerald Fennell episode. I've got I've got to rewatch Promising Young Woman. Mm. Ryan. You mean you she, have to watch it? She and hooked me. Realize that I was She hooked me. Right in my interpretation. Well, we I actually we've listened to two podcasts since we watched it that have made me think like I've got to rewatch it. And one of the things that she said in this podcast really stuck with me. She's like, "If you make a good movie, People are going to hate it the first time that they see it. It's like, because hmm. mm. you got to go back and watch it again. So yeah. you can. I, I still hate the ending, Brian, but I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch um, it again. And you're working on getting her on the program. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm on it. Only a, only a matter of time. Yep. Only a She'll matter of time. Uh, Barrios, anything that you guys are. Mm. Nothing, nothing I'd note here. No, I, I, I'm actually excited to check out the stuff you guys yeah. just mentioned. That, that's cool. Um, well, you could watch American Assassin, which I'm sure Jim and Katie haven't, even though we're appearing on a podcast to discuss it in two days' time. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen it. Yeah. Is, that, is that a movie? If, <laughs> yes. If, if you have seen nominated for and you're looking for, if you, it might have been nominated for a Razzie, so don't look that up. <laughs> uh, but, but if you're looking like for it. something to listen to while we're on vacation, feel free to listen to oh, the No Limits no, podcast. Oh, no, this is not the movie I thought it was. <laughs> okay. I thought this was the Bradley Cooper movie. No, moving on from that, oh. Jim. Okay. Isn't you that the guy also... from the OC, Dylan yeah, O'Brien? Yeah, no, he wasn't on the OC. No. He was on Teen Wolf. Mm -hmm. um, the show, not the That's much movie. better. That's mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so please listen to that. Uh, or you could listen to our Shit's Creek podcast that occasionally we'll have new episodes once a month or so. Maybe. Um, mm -hmm. It's been literally two weeks since I recommended everybody watch. Chances are oh. available. How could you wait that long? Available on DVD. 
And of course, my uh, uh, criterion recommendation for the week is The Hot Rock, another film set in New York with the amazing Robert Redford um, and George Siegel, a heist film, which I would highly recommend. Uh, We are going on vacation. I did the math Uh, since January 1st of 2020. uh, It has been 73 weeks and we have done 81 episodes. We have been working hard. Wow. Working guys. hard. I blacked out for most of it. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, this episode costs us literally tens of dollars mm-hmm. and brings in no money. So Katie mm-hmm. and Jim are going on vacation. And good for you. Thank you. We're very thrilled. I said, uh, I am not, but that's no. OK. I'm going will, back to work. I'm going to be watching. Chances are. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, American Assassin. Mm-hmm. Yep, great. Um, and that's what I'll be doing. Crying yourself to so, sleep at night. Very, very, very equal yep. the, on the plane of what we'll be doing. Um, and Dan and Marsha will be back at at some point. We'll convince them. Uh, last time it was the bodyguard, so it wasn't. <laughs> We've huge, made a step up. We've huge, made a step up. Huge step up. Yep. From what we put them through yep. this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully they will come back. All right. Uh, anytime. Anytime. But thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming, guys. guys. All right. Thanks for listening, commenters. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.